Welcome to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm your host, Pete Mazzetti. My guest this evening is Glenn Longarini, who's the executive director of the CIAC. Glenn, welcome. How are you? I'm doing very well, Pete. Thank you for the opportunity to come tonight. Very excited to speak with you. Thanks for coming down. Thanks for coming down. And nice to finally meet you. We've been talking and emailing, and it's nice to, nice to finally have you down. Appreciate so, it. Thank you. No problem. So, Glenn, tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been with the CIAC and what exactly you guys do. This is my third year as executive director of the CIAC. Um, prior to uh, coming here, I spent 19 years in uh, public education and uh, as well as coaching. That included uh, teaching at the elementary, middle school, and high school level as a health and physical education teacher. Uh, also served as an administrator, as an athletic director, an assistant principal, and a principal. Uh, wow. And from a coaching standpoint, I've had the pleasure of uh, coaching everything from uh, middle school girls basketball and uh, middle school soccer to uh, high school soccer and baseball and spent seven years as a, an assistant baseball coach at Yale University. Oh, wow. Uh, so it was a uh, it really enjoyed my time in public education uh, and in coaching and uh, just had the, the fortunate opportunity to apply for uh, the position that, that I hold now with the uh, CIAC and the Connecticut Association of Schools. So the, so the Connecticut Association of Schools and the CIAC, they're linked together? They are. The parent company is the Connecticut Association of Schools. So okay. that is, uh, that, that is the, the main organization. And then mm -hmm. CIAC uh, is a subgroup of that. It's, it's, um, it's very much like a school would run, where the athletic department is part of the school. Uh, this is the same thing. It's the Connecticut Association of Schools. And then off of that, the CIAC has its own board of directors. Right. Uh, that board of directors does uh, answer to the, uh, the CAS board of directors. And uh, so CIAC controls the athletic uh, portion of the company. And uh, we are a private nonprofit uh, organization. Okay. Uh, we are a member-based organization. So our membership uh, are the schools that join us yeah. uh, from the Connecticut Association of Schools side, the CAS side. That includes elementary, middle, and high schools, okay. uh, public, private, and parochial. On the CIAC side, it's mostly high schools. We, we only govern high school sports. We don't govern right. middle school sports. So uh, we have just over 180 high schools in Connecticut, public, public private, and parochial that are part of our uh, membership. And okay. the CIAC Board of Control uh, the voting members of the board are made up of all principals and assistant principals of our organization. Okay. Uh, and that, that's a big, I think, misconception uh, that, that's out there. I think a lot of, I think the understanding amongst the general public is that um, it's the CIAC staff and uh, that make the rules that, uh, that create <laughs> things, that, that vote on things. Uh, right. As the executive director of the organization, right. um, I do not have a vote on any board. Uh, okay. So, uh, it is the principals of the uh, of our member schools okay. that are the voting members of the board, and the principals of our member schools make up our legislative body. So, ah. when we vote on bylaw changes or things like that, it goes out to the vote of our full membership okay. uh, at the end of the year on those topics, which is um, uh, just under a thousand member schools at this point. Oh wow, that's yeah. pretty. That's pretty, pretty impressive. It's, it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a very uh, diverse group. Yeah. Um, in addition to the work that, that we do with, uh, with governing athletics on the Connecticut Association of Schools side, we're, we're um, very intimately involved in the professional development 
of teachers, of administrators, um, looking a lot, uh, you know, right now, of course, looking at bridging that gap in, mm -hmm. uh, in technology, uh, helping people understand that technology divide and how we can bring that closer, right. uh, very timely with what we're doing now. Uh, we do a lot of work on equity uh, as well and, and looking at uh, social justice uh, and, and that work right now. Uh, and then we also represent our schools in terms of legislature. So um, I will often be at the uh, legislative office building uh, on topics and bills of either education, uh, nature, or athletics to uh, share the point of view of our memberships on that. Okay, and recently, obviously, you've been on the news. Once or twice. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe once or twice. And let's talk about exactly what the Board of Control does. Sure. So, uh, again, the, the Board of Control, so the CIAC, the way that the framework of the organization works is yep. uh, we have the, the Board of Control, which, again, is 19 member uh, principals and assistant principals. Okay. Um, beyond that, uh, there are other members of the board who are there in a consultant capacity. Got it. That includes athletic directors, um, coaches, um, superintendents, athletic trainers, and officials. Uh, we also have uh, some of our staff that join that, uh, those meetings as well, uh, just to provide information and to, and to uh, inform people throughout the, uh, the process. Now, under that board of control, it branches off so each individual sport has its own sport committee. The purpose of those sport committees are to look at the individual sport and think about uh, what's in the best interest of those sports. They will look at and review the updates of rules that come out of the National Federation of High School. They'll think about the, uh, the way that tournaments are run, um, who qualifies for tournaments, what the bracket setups are. Uh, for those, they'll look at the breakout of divisions, um, whether it's four divisions, three divisions, five divisions. Um, at what cutoff point do we have for small, medium, large, double L? Mm -hmm. um, and so those are all the things that the sport committees do. They'll select the sites for uh, tournaments, and, and the board really gives a lot of autonomy in terms of the individual sport um, to those committees. If there's anything that's being approved um, that requires a rule change, ultimately that would come back to the Board of Control. Yeah. Or if there's anything that one sport committee is looking at that would have impact on another, that would come back to the, to the Board of Control. Um, a recent one that we reviewed quite extensively was the thought of moving boys golf from the spring to the fall. Okay. And so while that was looked at um, through the golf committee, uh, that decision ultimately came down to the Board of Control, and they had to factor in as well, how would this impact uh, fall sports? How would this impact um, schools that, uh, that share a golf coach between mm -hmm. um, a men's team and a women's team? Would there right. be a financial impact uh, to that? Um, what would the courses around the state in terms of availability uh, be able to offer? Right. Uh, so th there were a lot of considerations uh, that needed to go uh, go into that beyond just the the sport itself. Okay. Now, as far as fall sports go, how cl how closely did you guys work with the governor and the governor's office? Uh, you know, the governor's office was was very supportive with us in terms of um, discussions, in terms of being able to reach out and have conversations. Um, uh, Paul Mounds, the governor's uh, chief of staff, was uh, was very accessible. 
um, through our uh, our firm, Michael uh, Mike Rell, who works as uh, the lobbyist for uh, for CIEC okay. and CAS. Um, he was able to uh, to frequently have have contact and communication uh, with them as well. So uh, you know they they were responsive throughout. Um, and you know, working with uh, working with the governor's office, and I think that was a big part of the fall. Uh, when I talk to my colleagues from around the country, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's been a lot of kind of thoughts and questions about uh, how are other states playing, right. and, and we're not, right? And but if you look around us and you look at the states that aren't playing, um, we, we find a commonality between those that are not playing and those that are playing, and and the commonality is that besides Pennsylvania. Pretty much every other state that we talked to and we looked at aligned with their governor's office. Yes. So if you're playing, you're playing because you have the blessing of the governor's office to do it. If you're not playing, it's because you don't have the blessing of your governor's office, so you're aligning with with looking at a time later in the year. Right. Um, There's been a lot of attention played to states that have uh, flopped recently. Mm -hmm. Uh, Looking at, uh, for example, Delaware. I think Virginia just uh, just changed today. Okay. uh, Actually, Uh, Michigan a few weeks ago, uh, where they were looking at playing in the spring. Right. But now we're playing in the fall. Okay. Um, And again, a common element of those is the Michigan governor. The Delaware governor, you know, the Utah governor, you know, saying, "Listen, we're going to give this a shot, and, and we're going to go, go ahead and play." The states that had that blessing were able to, to move forward. The ones that don't are just looking at the spring, and, and we're not unique in that. Um, Maine, Rhode Island, uh, I think, saw a very similar course as we did, where um, they presented plans that included playing in the fall. And then their DPH and their governor's office said, well, we don't think this is a good idea. Yeah. And those sports moved to, uh, to a later time. Absolutely. So, you know, that it, it, very common to, to where we are. A lot of people point to New Jersey because New Jersey's yep. playing. Yeah. You know, uh, again, the governor came out and said, we're playing football. But ironically, in New Jersey, the governor came out and said, but we're not playing volleyball. So really? there's, they're wow. not playing volleyball, nor are they having, in the fall in New Jersey, mm-hmm. uh, they have volleyball and uh, gymnastics. Uh, sure. And they are not playing either of those this fall. Oh, wow. Those are being moved to a later time in the year. Okay. But they are playing football. Ah. Now, Rhode Island, Maine, um, you know, we're all, Connecticut, we're playing volleyball, but we're not playing football. football right. So. Now, as far as football goes, there was a little bit of talk of maybe moving it to the spring. Could that still happen? Yeah, initially our board was not in favor of that, and, and uh, I think that's you know largely our focus um, was always on playing this fall. Right. Um, we you know and again while while we made the decision to not play this fall in alignment with the recommendation of the Department of Health okay. and the governor's office, sure. um, I, I do think we largely believe that. The, the data that, that we were looking at, that we continue to look at, um, the support of our medical doctors, the epidemiologists that we spoke to, um, all believe that you could play now. Right. Uh, and and it, is, uh, it is safe to play now with appropriate COVID miti- mitigating strategies in place, which uh, we, we did believe that we presented. But we were not able to, uh, to, to convince DPH uh, right. that that we can meet that standard so uh, you know presents the, the situation that that we have in right. um, in trying to make that push focusing all of our efforts 
uh, on playing this fall, um, you know, and, and really concerned about the spring kids. Those spring athletes lost everything last year. Yeah. So when you think about playing in the spring, um, you know, we, we didn't want to uh, just take football and say, you know what, the easy thing to do would be say, let's just put it in the spring like some of these other states have done. Right. We, we wanted to fight as much as we could to play this fall. Um, and in our last meeting, again, understanding uh, on September 3rd when we made the decision mm -hmm. that we were not going to uh, be playing full contact football this fall. Right. Um, and then uh, the week later, we had the meeting with DPH. Mm -hmm. uh, coming off of that meeting, again, getting their recommendation that they were not going to change their opinion uh, on playing full contact football. Right. The board stayed with its decision to not play full contact and in our last meeting did say that we would look at an opportunity later in the year to play. Okay. But there's some criteria that, that we want to understand before we really uh, make the commitment of the time frame for that. Uh, we want to understand and know how many other sports are affected. Right. Um, because it, right now we know that football is not playing. Mm -hmm. um, but we're still a week away from all of our other sports actually getting into game competition. Uh, and, you know, October 1st is the first date of, of games. Right. Um, we do watch the data while, while right now the data is supporting us continuing to move forward. Okay. We are seeing a number of schools in Connecticut that have had a shutdown for small periods of time mm -hmm. uh, because of uh, some uh, positive COVID tests. Right. Um, when we look at some of the, uh, some of the states around us, again, j just having a conversation uh, with other state executive directors this morning, um, listening to uh, one of our colleagues in Maine where they've had several schools uh, that they have reached what's considered an outbreak status in their schools so the entire districts have shut down. Okay. Um, so we are seeing that in some states right now in Connecticut we, we continue to do exceptionally well but you can't in a COVID environment ever predict what tomorrow no. or next week is going to bring. Of course not. Uh, so that, that's it's important for us to understand what sports are we successfully getting off and playing? Right. Um, and, and be able to forecast a little bit more out to the winter to understand what may we be able to play and what we may not be able to play. So whatever we cancel, right. if we move one sport, you then we would, we would owe it to that other sport as well. Right. And it's not that we wouldn't be willing to do that, but at some point, if, if too many sports get canceled, mm -hmm. you just don't have the time or the ability exactly. uh, to, to do that. And, and that's kind of what played out in the spring. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, as far as winter sports go, how are things looking? Was it too early to... Um, cautiously optimistic. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> so we'll, I'll take we'll, that we'll answer. We'll go with that. Um, <laughs> you know, I, if there's if there's something that that we learn from our experience in the fall mm -hmm. uh, and working with with the Department of Health, I, I would say you you look at the opportunity uh, that's given for you to play and and you take that opportunity. So, right. um, you know, we're really looking to see while uh, again right now the season would start December third. Mm -hmm. um, we'll look very closely at at how our numbers are doing. Um, I think recently, uh, you know, last week sometime, I, um, I believe uh, Governor Lamont had shared and said that, you know, he's hopeful that we're going to see schools uh, in and full capacity uh, across the state uh, as we get towards, you know, maybe uh, the end of October, November. Oh, right? wow. And um, so if our numbers continue very well, if we're back in full capacity, 
uh, in a number of districts and uh, you know we're, we're seeing uh, very strong models of hybrid learning taking place where we can uh, potentially start those those winter opportunities a little bit earlier it will still be a, it will be a consideration uh, for us to, to look at um, again that would help us with a scenario where we were trying to create a uh, kind of fourth season, if you will, to, yep. to put some of the, or an alternative mm -hmm. uh, season to, to do this. But uh, again, as much as possible, we don't want to diminish any experiences from the winter or the spring. The right. winter lost their state championships last yes, year. Yes, that's right. We want those kids to play for a state championship if, if COVID allows this Absolutely, year. absolutely. Yeah. And I actually, I've, I've got to let you know, cause I'm, I'm actually a volunteer coach myself for Morgan out of Clinton. I do right. lacrosse, I'm director of social media for the boys lacrosse team. And we had no season last year. It's like, right. All the other coaches that are on the shoreline, we're all, we all keep in contact throughout the year. So it's like, there's no lacrosse season. It's like, oh no. <laughs> so we all, we all hopped on a Zoom call and made sure everybody everybody was okay and they were all they all we all i said the same thing i'm like better safe than sorry because right. you, you don't want to get sick and then right that would not be a good thing and p you know i think what you what you saw then uh with the kids coming together online oh yeah uh, you know and, and trying to uh again just connect with each other and, and the amazing work by our coaches right uh and you're seeing that now i mean when you think of, of what's happening right now with football uh, you know, we certainly respect and understand the frustration uh, of our kids and, and our coaches, right. but we really need to share with them just how proud we are of them. Yeah. Um, these kids are still out there working. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're going to be able this fall to engage in low to moderate risk activities. So there's going to be some experiences that these kids can engage in. It's not what they were, you know, planning for. They right. want to have that full contact, and we understand that. But you know, more than anything, what, what I think we learned through that winter and the spring and, and what, we're, again, we're, we're seeing now, it, it's really at the end of the day, it, yes, you want to compete. Yes, you want to play for that championship, but it's not about the wins and losses. Right. And, it, and it's not about the championship. And, you know, one what, what of the valuable lessons we learn just in playing sports, you know, two that I think really stand out with this, one is how to overcome adversity. Mm -hmm. You learn that probably in sports as well as you do in any other venture in life. Absolutely. To, to learn how to come overcome adversity and, and the value of long-term, short-term goals. And, and the other piece is, is really enjoying the moments that you have. Absolutely. And, you know, our, our kids right now and our coaches, uh, those relationships that they're building, those meaningful bonds and ties to their school, their community, to their pairs and their coaches, those are the things they carry with them. I'm, I'm sure there's kids that you still talk to oh, from those Morgan teams, you know, years ago. Oh, right? absolutely. And, and those are the, those, that's really the meaningful part. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, you know, that, that comes back and, uh, and, and really ties. And that's, even for me, I mean, I, re I said I could remember, you know, a lot of stuff. There's a few games that kind of stick out in my mind along <laughs> the, you know, along the years. But uh, even as a player, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to play for Eastern Connecticut State University and win, we won the national championship in, uh, in, in 1998. And, okay. and of all the games and, the, and what we played and, you know, playing for a storied uh, franchise and Coach Bill Hawadi, it's, it's the relationships. You know, it's, it's the time with, with my roommates and, and, and my teammates and, and coaches that, 
uh, that really stick with me. Uh, it's the experience with my parents, you know, coming to California to watch me play in Virginia and, and, and being there. And, you know, I, I, I can't tell you, I, I can't remember um, if what what I hit or what I did in that <laughs> in the championship game, uh, you know, I, I know I know we won by a pretty good margin. But what I remember most is uh, when it was over, uh, my dad being out on the infield and giving him a hug between first base and second base, there you go. And, and that's the moment that that I won't forget from uh, from winning a national championship. And so, you know, as as frustrating and disappointing as it is right now to not play football. And as it was to not play for that basketball championship or right. play for, you know, play that spring season, um, you know, when kids have the benefit of time to look back on things, it's it's going to be the relationships that they carry with them. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and again, and, and along the way, we're, we're going to keep fighting to to provide the kids as much of that experience that they they're looking to get that full experience as possible. Um, but we also know we have a, such a special group of coaches and athletic directors and principals that, that are working with their kids on a local level. That's that's going to make every experience they have special. Absolutely. And you and I actually have another mutual friend. That would be Bob Rader from CAVE. Yeah. Our oh, buddy. Bob's a great guy. Uh, really have enjoyed uh, the, the past two years and yeah. getting to know uh, Bob and Patrice McCarthy over there at CAVE. Just two wonderful uh, people, um, you know, as, as stressful as times are right now, oh, yeah. uh, boards of education uh, <laughs> are, are just as challenged and, you know, just got to give a lot of credit to uh, to our boards of ed, to our superintendents oh, for yeah. the leadership and the perseverance that they're showing uh, right now as well. Uh, again, I, I think for boards, again, I think just the big misconception for boards from last year, you know, coming in is that, you know, well, they, you know, look, the schools went went virtual, they're right. online, you know, so there must be a windfall of money. Yeah, there. right. And that was not the case and still is not the case. Uh, you know, teaching through COVID and educating kids through COVID uh, is an incredibly expensive uh, endeavor and our boards of ed, uh, our superintendents and our principals are, are just doing an amazing job to uh, to work with the teachers and and provide the exper uh, just great experiences for our kids. Now, how closely do you work with the athletic directors and all the coaches? We work pretty closely together. Um, you know, once we we went out in March, um, it was about uh, two weeks after we uh, we held our first uh, kind of informal uh, Zoom meeting okay. with ADs just to keep them up to date of of where we are. And uh, you know, we said we'll. As long as there's interest in this, um, we'll keep doing it, and uh, and that started. As I said the second, uh, the second week after we canceled in uh, in March. Mm -hmm. um, this past week, um, I still had 170 on the call. Okay. So uh, so I think there's still interest, <laughs> and yeah. uh, uh, which which is great. Um, you know, we we really enjoy the conversations with the uh, with the athletic directors. I think um, again, I've. I've had the fortune to, to serve in all those administrative roles, uh, department chair, AD, assistant principal, principal. Right. Um, the athletic director position by far is the most thankless job anybody will, will ever hold. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't think people understand just how valuable they are, right. how hard they work, how much time they give up uh, for the benefit of kids, uh, how student-centered they are. And, uh, and we have a very talented group of athletic directors in Connecticut. Absolutely. And, uh, so it's it's just uh, I'm very fortunate to have a good relationship 
uh, with our athletic directors and, and really appreciate the hard work that they put in. Uh, coaches just as well, Connecticut High School Coaches Association, yep. uh, j just a tremendous organization. Um, you know, ver very sad and, and the loss of John Fontana uh, at the end of last year, who was the executive, longtime executive director of the Connecticut High School Coaches Association. Um, and, you know, big shoes to fill. Uh, they, they hired Joe Canzanella, uh, who is uh, a, a legend in his own right, to, uh, to step in there. And Joe is just doing a tremendous job uh, with the Connecticut High School Coaches Association. We talk frequently uh, with each other, um, especially as we've been going through this. Joe has been, um, you know, very uh, advocating very well for his coaches, sharing okay. their concern and their their desire for a for a spring season uh, for the kids for football, uh, but at the same time advocating uh, for other spring coaches uh, that they they don't want to see um, you know their sports necessarily lose out because they lost their entire season. So um, our athletic directors, our coaches association, Fred Balsamo, executive director of, of the Connecticut Athletic Associ uh, Association of Athletic Directors. Um, has been fantastic to communicate with as well. Uh, and as I said, I, I think w with all the stakeholders we have putting this together, um, we always keep the focus on the best interest of the kids uh, with a good group of, of dedicated coaches and ADs. And, and for the most part, uh, I think when, when everything you know, is settled and, and is done, uh, our kids benefit from having exceptional experiences because of their dedication. Would you mind sticking around for another segment? We'd be happy to. All right, we'll be right back. Community TV, your neighborhood TV. Publicly funded and a reliable partner for cable companies nationwide. It provides transparent coverage of local and state government, education, and public programming. A digital town green that can be watched anywhere, anytime, and on any device. Watch us on today's high-tech distribution methods. Community TV in Connecticut. Local unfiltered, reliable, and, and yours. You're doing great. Let's just, we're gonna try this again, okay? Okay. Wheels, pedals, handlebar, brakes. Sit up straight, keep your weight in the center, keep your eyes on the road, hands on the grips, button the seat. If we feel ourselves falling, what do we do? Just, just keep, keep pedaling. Good girl, now remember, it's all about balance and steering. Steer with your hands, steer with your body. Steer into the corners and you stay out of trouble. And the bell's your buddy, so go ahead and ding that. All right, you ready? Here we go. Pedal, honey, pedal. There you go, you're a bike rider. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But two minutes twice a day making sure they brush is easier, and it could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. And welcome back to this week's edition of the Pete Rossetti Show. With, I'm sitting here with Glenn Longarini, Executive Director of the CIAC. Glenn, welcome back. Thank you again. Thank you. So, we were, Glenn, we were talking in the first segment about the what's going on with the CIAC and fall sports and winter sports now what if they move the winter sports to the spring what do they do with spring sports yeah and that's part of the the reason why we haven't uh come out just yet with okay. uh, with specific dates in terms of that alternative season right. Uh, we, we really need to understand a little bit better what the guidance is going to be around the around the winter. Okay. Um, you know, we have, uh, again, a, a tremendous uh, talented group of uh, doctors and physicians that, that we work with, and we have our perception on that. Um, my understanding is the, uh, the guidance uh, for the winter 
activities from DPH um, hasn't been set just yet. Right. So uh, we're keeping an eye out for that to see uh, when that comes out statewide. Uh, right now, we do know that under the uh, sector rules of uh, the governor's plan for the reopening of Connecticut, uh, that you can play high-risk sports, including indoor sports. So we do know that basketball is being played. We do know that uh, hockey is being played right now. Um, I believe there's some uh, wrestling events that, that are going on right now. Uh, but there is definitely some issues and some concerns as you get to the winter, even beyond the sector rules. So, right. for example... Uh, when we think about uh, sports like hockey, uh, indoor track, yep. um, you know, even s some swimming, uh, where we're running into this now. Um, but indoor track, hockey particularly, a lot of schools don't have rinks, right? And so a lot of right. schools are relying on uh, maybe colleges or, or universities and some of the facilities that they have. Correct. Well, those colleges and universities are, they're restricting people on their campuses right now as well. Yes. Uh, so access to those sites is, is very limited. And, and it just makes sense that we're not going to have access. Our high schools in Connecticut aren't going to have access mm -hmm. to a lot of those facilities. So, you know, a sport like indoor track. Yes. Where you rely on facilities like Cox Cage at Yale, the field house at Wesleyan. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, th those things most likely are not going to be available for high schools to come on campus and use within this COVID climate. Correct. Um, so you, you're very limited in, in what you can use there. Um, you know, the, the, the probability of playing state championship uh, hockey uh, at the whale, you know, at, at Yale, yep. um, is just highly unlikely this year. Uh, you know, and, and just like they're not playing, they're practicing sports right now, but they're not playing right now. Correct. Um, so it just makes sense that you're not going to allow teams to come on campus if you're not allowing, uh, you know, other teams within the Ivy League to come on campus for competition, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, so when you start limiting the facilities that are available, that, that becomes a big concern. Uh, wrestling, right? Most of your yep. wrestling events on weekends are uh, tournament type events where you have, you know, four, four six, eight teams, 12 teams uh, that are kind of, that's probably not going to happen. You no. know, you're at best, I think you're going to be looking at dual meets where, you know, you have two teams that, that are just wrestling each yep. other, but it's going to be unlikely that you're going to be in a scenario to have multi team events, um, you know, happening as we would normally know it. Um, you know, that being said, you know, sports like hockey, uh, basketball, yeah. um, the, the um, uh, Department of Health in Connecticut and their uh, recommendations to CIAC have largely relied on the National Federation and their classifications of sports. Okay. The National Federation classifies basketball and hockey as moderate risk sports. Um, so, you know, having that moderate risk category uh, certainly makes things, I think, um, you know, much more possible uh, in the winter. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, I think having, uh, we are working already uh, on the COVID mitigating strategies uh, for that. We'll be continuing to work with our doctors and, uh, and the epidemiologists that we work with to, uh, to put solid plans together uh, for those sports, but we are uh, you know, cautiously optimistic that we're going to have those uh, moderate risk indoor sports uh, able to participate and play 
some of those those higher risk or those sports reliant on third party facilities mm -hmm. um, will definitely be more challenging. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, how many like high, how many high schools in the state have their own hockey facility? I don't know of any. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, I don't know of any that, that do. Okay. Um, there, you know, indoor track, I, there's a couple. Okay. Um, you know, I think Haddam Killingworth in, in your area, I think, I think so. has I, a field house. I believe um, Haddam Killingworth has uh, a field house. I think they do. With um, uh, I remember going to a, uh, a state wrestling tournament up there that was exceptionally uh, well run, and, and I do think they have a, uh, a field house up there. Yep. Um, I uh, obviously uh, the field house in New Haven, the mm -hmm. Floyd Little Athletic sure. Center. Uh, I believe Staples, Wilton, uh, Bethel, I think all have um, field houses with, with indoor track facilities. Um, but I can't think of any with a hockey facility. Um, I think they largely use uh, either the, the rinks within town, uh, the prep school rinks yeah. around them, um, or the, uh, as I said, the, the college university rinks. Ingalls Rink. Ingalls Rink, in yeah, in you know, uh, gets gets used quite a bit up yeah. there at Yale. I think um, uh, what other there's a there's a couple other uh, there's another one up in Wallingford, uh, I believe. There's uh, an ice rink in Danbury. Uh, I, I know it gets used quite a bit. Um, again, I know um, uh, I used to be the principal at Pomparog High School. I know our kids. We're in a co-op with Watertown. They skated at Taft, okay. uh, the Taft School uh, there. So as I said, I, I, there, there's some um, you know, prep school facilities, town facilities that, that get used uh, quite a bit. Oh, you were up at Pomparock? I didn't know that. I was, oh, yeah. Nice. Yes, yeah. Nice. Speaking of sports and facilities, one more mutual friend that you and I have, and I heard you on with them the other day on 960 WELI. <laughs> That would be our friend, Coach. That's right. That coach. George Speaking of coaches, yeah, <laughs> uh, Coach Matt. Now he, he's fantastic. Oh, he's a great and, guy. And, uh, I like you know, George. Just, you know, just again, you, you think about those relationships, right? And, oh yeah. Um, you know, I, I really, I didn't really get to meet Coach until, um, you know, really coming into this role where we've had an opportunity to speak. But, right. uh, but as a player. Um, you know, in, in a high school player in the mid '90s, and, mm -hmm. and then, you know, through my uh, through my college days and playing, um, I, I I knew Coach and, yeah. and heard of him, and uh, you know, and, and he was just again just just one of those legendary figures uh, that you know you think of, of everything that that he's done, and and just another special man who has really dedicated his life to, to doing things uh, that, that are in the best interest of the kids and uh, has made such a positive impact. So just uh, really, really honored to be able to, as a colleague and, and oh, call him a friend now. And, great guy. And, uh, great guy. Uh, absolutely awesome guy, awesome guy. So what else do we want to tell everybody about the CIAC and what's going on? Well, you know, again, I think it's, um, you know, just that understanding that, uh, again, it is a very uh, student-centered organization. Um, it is a an organization that's member-driven. Uh, member okay. Uh, I think, uh, you know, another, um, that may be misconception, but, uh, you know, kind of facts that, that just aren't known about that is how proposals and rule changes 
uh, come about. Again, okay. it's, I, I think the, the perception may be that, you know, myself or, you know, our staff at CIAC, we just, you know, here's the rules that, that we're thinking of. And, and uh, yeah. so we just bring it to the board and, and, and we it. put it through. Uh, and that's not the way it goes. Again, no. uh, CIAC staff, myself included as executive director, um, I do not have voting rights on any board or okay. subcommittee. Uh, so proposals that come to CIAC, they can come in four ways. Uh, again, the legislative group of our board are our member school principals. Yep. So any member school principal as an individual has the right and the, the autonomy to bring forward a proposal um, to any of our sport committees or to the CIAC Board of Control. They don't need any other group to do that. As an individual principal and legislative voting member, they have the right to do that. Um, beyond that, uh, it is groups that can bring it. So our member leagues can bring it. So, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the CCC, the SCC, the, um, the Crawl League, the, uh, there's, there's 11 leagues across the state, the FCAC, the Berkshire League, the SWC, um, uh, and Triple C, the Pequot, uh, you know, those are the leagues themselves can bring a proposal and offer a proposal to mm -hmm. CIAC. Right. Um, the Connecticut High School Coaches Association, as a coaches association, they can bring a proposal to uh, CIAC. And the Connecticut Association of Athletic Directors, as an association, they can bring a proposal to the CIAC. Okay. So that's the way that proposals. Uh, come into uh, into the organization. Um, once they come in, the CIAC Board of Control will look at the proposal. Sure. Uh, if there's interest among the board members to learn more about it, uh, then they may send it to an individual sport committee, um, or we may send it out to uh, to a vetting process. Anytime that we have a new bylaw uh, that's coming into effect, after it makes its way through the sport committee. Um, we do vet that out with the uh, principals, the coaches, uh, and the athletic directors. So uh, we send it out to review for, uh, for each of those groups. So they provide feedback and that's all received and reviewed before ultimately it, it would go back to the Board of Control for final review and either um, denial or approval at that level. And the Board of Control has final approval of Board of Control has final approval, uh, and again, 19, uh, 19 voting members of that traditionally. Okay. Um, right now, we do not have a past president uh, serving right now, so that reduces it to, uh, to 18. Uh, and we have uh, one member um, who uh, is just taking some family time right now so, uh, from their position. So, okay. uh, so that brings us down to uh, 17, 17. Uh, voting members uh, currently. The board chair, only votes in the um, in the instance of a tie. Okay. Um, so he is a voting member, but only votes when there's uh, when there's a tie. So, so it breaks the tie. Only breaks the tie. Okay. Yep. And uh, uh, so um, you know he, he hasn't needed to vote yet. <laughs> no, yeah. Right. <laughs> the recent filing in the knock on Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, you know. So, uh, but but that's how the organization. Uh, you know, runs, and I, again, I just, I think it's important for people to understand that, uh, that it is, you know, that, that member-driven organization, that it is made up of, of principals and assistant principals from, from around the state. So, 
you know, when, when sometimes people ask and say, well, you know, the, the CIEC doesn't understand what's really happening in schools. Well, we, we do, yeah, and yeah, actually the do. people who are voting on it right. are, are, are current principals. Are principals, right, yeah. right. Now, explain this to me. Let's say Pete Mazzetti coaches lacrosse, and how does Pete Mazzetti's schedule of who they play gets set up. Is that the CIAC? Is that the athletic director? Is it, how's that work? Yeah, so the regular season schedules all get set up within leagues. And most okay. of the leagues uh, at this point do have uh, a central scheduler gotcha. uh, who, would, who would design those. Uh, for those that don't, then um, you know, would would be the athletic directors that, okay. that do the majority of the work. Mm -hmm. uh, I think in most leagues, uh, there's a league schedule that's set up. Yep. Uh, there are some sports where there's some agreements amongst leagues to play some out of league games. Yes. To help fill those schedules, but uh, that's where the work of the athletic director uh, is is again critically important. Uh, right. They're doing a lot of the work with that. So the regular season schedules are all created by the leagues and the individual schools and athletic sure. directors. Um, it is when you, when you get to the state tournament uh, time, the, the seedings for the state tournament, the, pairings, the schedules, yep. the pairings, mm -hmm. the, um, the neutral site facilities, yep. that's, all, that, that's all determined uh, by CIAC. That's but true. all the regular yes. season uh, schedules and sure. all of the league tournaments are all handled within uh, the individual leagues. Okay, so that means you probably know Brian Atkins, who's the lacrosse coach yes. down at Foran. Yes. Jim May at Brantford. Yeah. Okay. And again, you know, story programs, and I think, geez, we've been oh, at, yeah. um, I think uh, uh, we're up at Brian McMahon is where the state championships have been held for, uh, oh, yeah. you know, pretty pretty much annually for, <laughs> Absolutely. You know, for, for quite a bit of time. And, uh, you know, again, lacrosse is just uh, – you know, it's one of those sports that, that have really uh, taken off over oh, the past decade. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's, again, just been a great outlet for, uh, for, for our uh, boys and girls across, uh, across the state. And some really highly competitive uh, games. And, it and is. It, yeah. And, it, you know, you think about, um, you know, another just, I think, you know, hmm. interesting stat that, that we like to uh, look at on an annual basis. So we have just over 70,000 athletes on an annual basis oh, wow. uh, in Connecticut. And when you think about that in comparison to enrolled students, we have about 166,000 kids in grades 9 through 12 enrolled in our public schools in, in Connecticut. So you're looking at about 42-43% of the students enrolled in schools are participating in interscholastic athletics. Sure. Uh, it, it is by far the, the widest ranging extracurricular that, that kids are participating in. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, of, of those kids participating in that, uh, our Connecticut numbers are pretty standard compared to the rest of the country, where about 6% of those kids will go on to play at the collegiate level. Mm -hmm. And about 2% of those kids will actually get scholarship money. Uh, at the at the collegiate level uh, to play. So, you know, on, on the one hand, you look at where 94% of the kids participating, um, their careers, their their sport careers will will end with high school. Right. Um, but we see that you know that percentage that that does go on. And and I'll tell you, I think you know lacrosse is one of those 
uh, sports where we do see quite a few kids at the Division One and Two level Absolutely. from Connecticut doing an Absolutely. exceptional job. One, 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 one of the favorite stories that I like to tell is during the, I believe it was, I believe it was last year, I did, a, I did a lacrosse show on my show. So I had myself, Brendan Hyland, who's the Morgan Boys lacrosse coach, Jim May, Frank Barron, who I'm sure you, did you know, do you know Frank? I don't know Frank. Oh, Frank was a great guy. Frank passed away of pancreatic cancer recently, uh -huh. and so Frank's no longer with us. And we actually had, during the panel discussion, John Reva, the Wesleyan boys lacrosse coach. Wow. We had an hour, we did an hour show, but we had the best time. <laughs> it was just, we all were just telling stories, yeah. and, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. All the memories that you, have on a lacrosse field. I, I, because uh, I do social media for Morgan Boys Lacrosse, and I miss, I miss not seeing all those, the coaches, all the different coaches we run into all over throughout the year. My players, it's like, they canceled lacrosse season. I'm like, okay, now what, what do I do in the spring? <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, yeah. now, now what? Yeah, it's like, oh my God. There, you know, there's the, again, there, there's so much that that we, you know, that we've lost, right. and um, you know, in, in while we want to get back to that sense of normal, we, we do have to you know continue to remind ourselves we are playing in a pandemic. Right. Uh, there is not a vaccine just yet. Right. And uh, so you know those are things that we we have to be realistic about. Um, and and be a little bit more cautious about. To that same token, uh, we are very concerned about the the mental health of kids and and the social emotional. Health right. of kids as well. So, Absolutely. so you try to balance, you know, that that very real um, existence of uh, of COVID uh, mm -hmm. that's there with also, you know, the very real existence that uh, we're seeing increased rates of anxiety uh, and depression amongst um, high school and adolescent kids right now. We're right. seeing um, since March, from March to uh, to a June timeframe. Uh, we saw about a 50% reduction in structured physical activity outlets uh, for kids. So, you know, we, we do understand the, the immense value of those uh, structured activities. And, and as you said, it's, it's not about getting on the field to win. Yeah. It's about getting on the field uh, to, to have those relationships, to oh, be engaged in that activity. Uh, that, that is just, it's healthy for our bodies and for our minds to Absolutely. be out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sure during the pandemic and what's going on now, schools are going to look a lot different because everybody's online learning online, but then you go into the school for your, your half of the week. I'm sure the school building looks a lot more different because everybody's probably social distanced and Sure does, and you know it, it's it's such a departure from what we were talking about previously. You know, you think about best practices within schools, right. and and you you were really working from an educational model standpoint of getting kids in small groups, really right. thinking about uh, that collaboration and, and ways that you could uh, foster learning through inquiry, creative thinking, critical thinking mm -hmm. uh, type of scenarios. Um, but now uh, you're, you're in a scenario from a COVID standpoint where right. you're back to desks and straight rows. Mm -hmm. So as you said, <laughs> right. you know, spa spacing kids out. Uh, the, those you know those hybrid scenarios a big piece that for CIAC when we were trying to think about 
what should we recommend in terms of fan attendance? Right. Well, when we look at the the um, what was put in place for return policies in a lot of schools, yeah. Um, you know, their return policies are really limiting. Uh, the um, exposure uh, or the the availability of guests to come on campus during the school day. Right. So you know where generally you would welcome a a parent to to come in meet with a teacher. To, yeah. Well, you're really limiting those to to essential meetings right now, and exactly. that's from a sports standpoint. You know we look at and say okay. If we're going to limit the um, the guests coming on campus for mm -hmm. a COVID mitigating strategy during curricular time, when we get to sports, which we view as an extension of the curriculum, sports is not a separate part of a curriculum. No, it is an extension of the curriculum. Correct. It's the extracurricular, right? So, um, so we thought that it was important for our recommendation to align with that. So, as you said, you're looking at how things have really changed. Uh, in terms of the manner that, that we're teaching uh, students and trying to engage uh, students from that curriculum standpoint, and, and that flows right into the athletic end as well. Right. Now, as far as if we, if we do pull off winter sports in this particular, like, high school basketball, how are they going to do fan attendance at a basketball game? Are they probably going to have to cut it down or... I think our recommendation, unless something significantly changes with the COVID climate, would likely stay the same. Right now, we're okay. recommending uh, that you don't have fans in attendance, but right. it is up to the discretion of the local school districts. Mm -hmm. We would, you know, anticipate that if things are, are going well, that, that our school districts, again, will be creative and find some ways to honor kids and parents for those senior nights right. and, and find some ways to... Uh, you know, to, to do some inclusive closure activities for kids that, again, we, we understand talking to our spring kids and our winter kids last year, uh, that was really significant portion, particularly our spring kids. Uh, when they talked about what they really missed, right. um, it, it really, a lot of what they shared with those closure activities, they talked about uh, they didn't get senior night. Yeah, uh, right. they talked about they didn't get senior prom. Right. Uh, they they didn't get their senior trip. They mm -hmm. didn't get, you know. So um, when you started, you know, really listening and then kind of kind of breaking down and charting out uh, what were the experiences they missed the most, it, it were clo it was closure activities. Right. Uh, so you want to try to provide that a as much as we can. And again, that gets back to uh, really caring for the kids' mental and social emotional well being as much as. Uh, their physical well-being and the sports that they're playing. Now, I'm sure as executive director of the CIAC, but you, like you said, you used to be a principal of a school and an administrator with everything that's going on with online learning. Do they know, as far as the teachers and administrators, like let's say school starts at 7.15, I'm sure there's a way of tracking them and letting them know that John Smith isn't logged in yet and it's 719. Is there a way of? Sure, yeah, you know, the, the technology is amazing today. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but uh, again, I think the, the concern that you have is, is the equity divide in that. Right. Um, so uh, the technology absolutely allows you, whether you're, you're using technology like Google Meets or Google yep. Classroom, uh, you know, whatever type of system you're using, you can track uh, yep. the kid logging in. Um, but then there's discussions as well of uh, do you put the camera on or don't you put the camera on? Right. Uh, you know, are, are teachers uh, and kids comfortable with, uh, with 
somebody seeing the background of their home. Right. Um, and, and, you know, kind of thinking through those uh, scenarios. And then also thinking in, you know, in some of our urban areas about uh, not only do the kids have the devices, but do the kids have the, uh, the connectivity the in internet. terms of internet access right. to sure. be able to, uh, to work. And uh, I, I know that, uh, again, I, I think the State Department of Education under mm -hmm. uh, Commissioner Cardona, who yeah. has just been tremendous through this, really can't say enough about uh, how informative and collaborative um, uh, Commissioner Cardona has been. He's, he's been amazing. Um, and, and even, you know, I think the governor's office there as well, really working to try to provide um, as, as much connectivity and devices as possible uh, to our students. Um, but there, there's still a divide, and yeah. there's still more work that needs to be done there. So yes, the technology uh, gives you the ability to do that. Right. But technology will never replace the connection of the student and teacher. Right. You know, Absolutely. Just as you had uh, before all this happened, you know, you might have a conversation where one teacher says, you know, this kid, I just can't get him to do work in my class. And then the next teacher will say, really, he does everything for me. <laughs> and, and it's just the connection um, right. that, and, and the relationship that happens there that, you know, that they'll work for you. And, and so technology isn't going to change the, the, the part where, you know, we, we have to capture the kids' hearts first and then we can teach their minds uh, anything. Uh, I think the technology makes it a little bit more difficult uh, to do that, but we have, again, some, some incredibly innovative uh, teachers who are just doing an amazing job and, and principals that are doing a great job with leadership in that. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, if people want more information on CIAC, where can they go? CASCIAC.org uh, is the main website. Uh, once you bring that up, uh, the left-hand side will have an icon uh, for CAS. If you're interested in the Connecticut Association of School Size, the icon on the left will be the CIAC icon. Uh, so you can click on either of those and it takes you right into the websites and a tremendous amount of information on the website on both sides of the organization there. I'm going to say, and I'm sure the website is updated regularly? Updated regularly. Uh, also, you know, feel free to, uh, to share us on social media, uh, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, if, you, if you hit the, we have a great group. Uh, again, uh, very talented um, uh, public relations people sure. with uh, Joel Cookson, John Holt. Uh, working with us, Aaron Garino, uh, Mary Lee Weber, so a lot of good information on social media as well. I've never met Joel Cookson, but he seems like a nice guy. Great guy, good, uh, you know, sports information director, does an amazing job, comes with a lot of experience from uh, the collegiate level and uh, and does a real good job. I'm gonna say, and John Holt, who used to work for one of the net networks here in Connecticut. Yeah, John Holt is just, uh, we are so fortunate to have John uh, working with us and his talents. Uh, just from a broadcasting standpoint, but but really as well, John is an extraordinary storyteller. Yeah. Uh, so his ability to to connect with kids and share out their story in an artistic uh, fashion is is just second to none. Cool, Glenn Longarini from the CIAC. Thanks for coming down. Hopefully, we'll see you again soon. My pleasure. Pete. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. On behalf of Glenn, I'm Pete Mazzetti. Thanks. Good night, and we'll see you next time.